Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Max, block on Eli Apple in the Bengals game. Do you have any issue with anything he did on that play? Yeah, I'll leave it to the officials to officiate the game. Doesn't really matter what I think. Because everybody you know, has an opinion, and the biggest thing for me is just focus on being the best teammate I can be. You know, uh, obviously, you know, devastated by Coach Hackett because I think he's an amazing man. I wish I could have played better for him, too. You know, I wish I could have played at the, at the standard and the level that I've played, you know, I've always played at. Is the way that last year ended on your mind at all? Now that you've got two games here to get this team to the playoff? I'm trying not to think about that. By no means do I do I think I need to go in there and, and do anything out of the ordinary. We're kind of going as partners in crime that we were both there and, you know, didn't quite work out right at the end. And so uh, uh, we're just sharing the experience a little bit. But it's such a long time ago that it doesn't, it's not a factor. to be a happy week those are some depressing and negative sound bites but that's kind of the way it is in the nfl because you're either in the playoff hunt or you're swirling down the drain and all sorts of teams have all sorts of issues and we're here to break it all down on this thursday edition of pft live presented by google pixel learn more as always at googlestore.com hello to our audience watching the program on peacock listening on sirius xm 85 watching on sky sports nfl or listening on the podcast, wherever and however they may choose to do it. Chris, I want to go away from what I was originally going to say, just in our usual few minutes of banter. Yeah. The Belichick remark about Mac Jones' low hit on Eli Apple. Belichick was asked basically about this growing reputation of Mac Jones as a dirty player, and Bill did his usual say nothing under any circumstances about anything. And I think in some situations, it's a little glaring if you don't defend stand your up guy and a little. Support your right, guy. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know his default is to say nothing, but when your guy's under attack widely for being a dirty player, and you don't stand up and say he isn't, on one hand, it could be interpreted as you're kind of agreeing that he is, or he's just doing his job. That's just a reflection of the coach. Remember when LaDainian Tomlinson was mad at Bill Belichick all those years ago because the Patriots players were doing the lights out thing yeah, after the, the Patriots the beat the Chargers and yeah. said it's a reflection of their coach? Reflection of the coach? Is this a reflection of the coach? I don't know, but there are certain circumstances where – the basic we can't say anything for fear of undermining our strategic interests needs to take a back seat to what's right for the game. And what we saw Mac Jones do on Saturday is not right for the game, period. Yeah, yeah no, and, and this guy that knows the history of the game and he's, he's very aware of all those things. I, I, I don't disagree with you there, Mike. I think at, at times, you know, one, to your point, you try to support the player because, yes, he's under attack and he's the quarterback of your football team and – It'll go over well in your locker room to know that, like, hey, the head coach has got our back in, in situations like this. So there's positives there to that. And I also think with a guy like Bill Belichick, 
he, he probably afraid to make a headline. I, I don't know. You know, he just sometimes is so much all about business and the next task at hand and everything there to where I think he maybe loses sight of some of the things we're talking about that could could manifest if you don't stick up your player a little bit. Um, so I, I don't disagree with your thought there, Mike. You know, that, that's one where, yeah, it might have been nice to hear a statement defending Mac Jones, explaining the situation, explaining the human being to the public a little bit, and maybe that takes a little heat off your quarterback. I just think that that approach he always has, where he walks into the press room and immediately assumes the personality of a bowl of unflavored gelatin, there are certain circumstances where maybe the situation calls for something a little spicier than that. Speaking of spicy, this was what I originally wanted to say because okay. I wrote about this just before Whoa. the show began. Spicy. The NFL is here to stay on Christmas. To the I know that you were thrilled to be working Christmas night. Get used to it because the NFL is here to stay. When you put three games up for the first time ever and two of them suck, I mean, now that it's over and it's done, I think we can be even more candid, especially Broncos-Rams. Two teams eliminated from the playoffs – 51 to 14 debacle. The only news coming out of it is one of the coaches got fired because of it. Right. When that generates 22 million average viewers, when the collective three game pack from the NFL does five times better than wall to wall NBA action simulcast by ESPN and ABC in an effort to avoid a ratings massacre, even then, five times greater audience for the NFL. Every day of the week, whenever it lands, Monday's easy. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, easy. Sunday, obviously, the easiest. They'll find a way on Tuesday and Wednesday as well. They're not taking their teeth out of the the uh, Christmas opportunity that we've now seen in full bloom. It's not, it's not going away. Three games, they're going to find a way every December 25 to do it. They've officially taken over Christmas. Yeah, I, 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 I hope so. I, I mean, I, to me, it's still football season. As much as I know the NBA put their, you know, planted their flag on Christmas Day, maybe first, it, it, we're still in the most important part of the year. Uh, I, I don't even you know. And I think a lot of sports fans, even, you know, I love the NBA. I think, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that are like me where, yeah, I'm just slowly starting to get into the NBA. And then we get later in the NFL playoffs, and I start to get a little bit more in. And then the Super Bowl's over, and, hey, it's a Tuesday night. I'm, I'm putting on TV. I'm going to watch some basketball. Okay, there we go. But, uh, I mean, football is by far the king in this country. And you, just anywhere you went over the last few days before Christmas Eve. Everybody was excited for, oh, my gosh, Christmas Christmas Eve. It's a full, full football slate. You know, Christmas Day, this is awesome. I mean, any man, you know, that was a meathead like myself was, was in love with it. So I understand that. I hope they are on Christmas Day. I just – I, I don't want Christmas to be have Sunday night football on Christmas Day. I don't want it to have football night in America. We don't need the pregame show. Can't we just go right into the game? That's all I want. <laughs> you, you, you are fine with everyone else connected to the sport working on exactly. Christmas as long as you don't have to. <laughs> exactly right. That's the summary right. that we can take away from this. <laughs> I remember a time when the NFL tiptoed around Christmas Eve like we got to get the games done because we don't want to infringe on church yeah, services. Yeah, I remember a, that. And this was years ago. There was a there was a Colts-Vikings game on December 24 in 2000, and there was this big controversy in Minnesota because they were going to infringe upon parking for the local churches because they were playing a game that went too late. Like, the NFL has just decided the hell with all of that. We're taking over. Yeah. We don't care. We're putting our games. You got plans on Christmas Eve? Change them. We're putting Steelers Raiders on 11.2 million. You want to know why Steelers Ravens got flexed into Sunday night football this week? One of the reasons Steelers delivered 11.2 million on Christmas Eve when people are otherwise in church or with their families doing Christmassy things, people tuned in at numbers to an NFL network only game, 11.2 million. So uh, we we accept it. It is now going to be as as entwined with Christmas as it is with Thanksgiving. That's the new reality. All right, cool. I'm down for that. I, I, I loved it. I do. I love football this time of the year. And, I mean, come on. Some of the looks that were on TV on Saturday, 
And it just was a Christmassy look. Well, I mean, what was cooler looking at that field in Cleveland versus the Saints or Buffalo and, and uh, Chicago out there? Everybody's cold. I mean, it just it felt like Christmas. The grass was, you know, brown or whatever that color is. It's beige because it's, it's dying out. I just it had a great look. So I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy it's here to stay. So, so <laughs> basically, as long as you don't have to work right. and you are warm inside your house, correct, you're fine with. Football, correct. On December twenty four and December twenty five. That's right. I'll be there December uh, December twenty six to tell you what happened and everything. I'll give it all my go right after that. Just don't annoy me on Christmas night. I got family stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the games on Christmas Day, the only one that involved two teams that that both were in the thick of the playoff chase. The Dolphins hosting the Green Bay Packers. That featured the hit that we believe happened late in the second quarter that resulted in the latest concussion to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. One of the questions we raised this week, and I wrote about it at PFT, and I think we talked about it here. I wanted to know how this happened. Yeah. I wanted to know who went to whom. Did Tua show up on Monday morning feeling symptoms and decide to go to the doctor? Did somebody notice something and say, we need to take a look at you? Mike McDaniel, coach of the Dolphins, answered that question yesterday in his Wednesday press conference. Here's McDaniel explaining how he detected that something was amiss with his starting quarterback. Were you able to pinpoint when exactly he sustained that concussion? on? Um, yeah, the, well, you know, there's um, the, the day after the game, so Monday, there was some – you know, upon reviewing the film, we we had some questions. Um, kind of feel like, you know, we we had an idea um, that there's hey, did did something happen in this portion of the game? Question them. Um, once we got really, uh, you know, we we continued to question them, and once we got some information back, we we're like, you need to go see the see the doctor so to say with absolute certainty um the you know that it was this that or otherwise it was just there was some things um that caused us to really prod and um as a result we felt like he needed to see um medical professionals Look, I got a ton of respect for what Mike McDaniel has done with the Dolphins, and I think he is very real and authentic and honest and transparent. A lot of the things that older coaches, more experienced coaches aren't, like a Bill Belichick who would never be anywhere close to being that candid. Can you imagine Bill Belichick answering questions like that? No. He's in the protocol. I'm not saying All I know is he's in the protocol. He's in the protocol. He's in the protocol. I've already addressed that. He's in the protocol. We wouldn't get that kind of openness. I have a deeper concern, though, when you're talking about a young coach, and I think we've addressed this before when Tua concussion problems arose back in September and October. There's a certain amount of deference that is inherent to the guy who walks through the door of a football operation. Ostensibly, he's in charge of it, Chris, but there are mechanisms, there are structures, there are systems in place that you don't want to turn upside down. You don't feel like it's your place. You're not a doctor. You're not a doctor. You have to defer to the team doctors. Well, what do you do when the team doctors aren't doing their job? What are you doing when the spotters aren't doing their job? What are you doing when the trainers aren't doing their job? Why is it that the head coach is the one who has to figure out during film review something doesn't seem right here? Where's everybody else whose job it is to protect the health and safety of these players? That's where I wonder if there's anything boiling inside of Mike McDaniel that he feels like others in the organization have failed this guy and he's the one that had to figure out something isn't right. So, I, I, again, it's not a criticism of McDaniel. It's a recognition of the fact that when you hire a young coach, he's not going to feel comfortable creating that kind of internal turmoil. But I feel like somebody needs to. Somebody needs to be pissed off about how this could be that nobody recognized in real time something was wrong. And it's not until the next day when the coach is studying film, he's like, something's wrong here. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot to it. And the NFL is still in its 
infancy stages here of, of figuring their process out, obviously. You know, again, I'm not going to blame or, or expect the head coach to, you know, be the guy that's evaluating for head concussions during the, during the football game either, you know, as we discussed yesterday. Now, you know, Mike McDaniel, I think he, you know, was stuttering a little bit there and careful with his words because he's probably trying not to get people in trouble in the organization, right? But knowing him, knowing where he came from a little bit, with Miami, I mean, with from San Francisco, with Kyle Shanahan and his buddy, I can guarantee you, Mike, he's mother effing some people behind the scenes. I can guarantee it. You know, don't be fooled by the glasses and the nerdy look and all that. We've seen a few things. I think we talked about it last week on social media. He ain't afraid to tell the coaches, "Hey, get that effing fixed right now," or or take blame, or or just say what he's got to say in the moment and be harsh. I don't think he's scared to do that. I don't think he's going to do it publicly like we just saw right there, and that's why maybe he was a little delicate about what he wanted to say. But do do I doubt that – I don't doubt that Mike McDaniel's in the background a little bit going, what the F are we doing and who the F was why, – why aren't we watching him? I would think he's doing that, knowing that human and then knowing the guy he worked for is very much like that out in San Francisco. So uh, that's that's what I would say there. It's just a, it's a, it's an unfortunate circumstance, and it's unfortunate that it's you know been thrown in his lap to have to evaluate or figure out some of these situations or talk about it in front of the the media when it's really not his department. And you know he's done a good job. And then I think the the most important thing is Mike to to what we're saying is we saw the human. You know you, you said it yesterday a little bit. He's a, he's a human first. He's a good guy. He's a dude, whatever. That's why players like him. It's why players like Shanahan. They can say F you, but you still feel like they're your buddy and they're in the, they're in the foxhole with you. And then they know how to joke and, you know, talk some crap and trash and make you feel like, hey, uh, your coach is one of the guys. He's got that. So, you know, that's a credit to him, too, for caring about the human. And, you know, Mike, it it sounds like by watching the film, they piece together like, what the hell? This guy's never done this. What's he doing? You know, what, where's he looking here? And that's what kind of gave them the, the red alert that something's off with Tua. The other side of this equation as yeah. well, the NFL Players Association exercising its prerogative to initiate a joint review of the circumstances, an NFL, NFL PA activity. We first really dug into the nuts and bolts of how that works back in late September when Tua struck his head on the turf at the same stadium, got up wobbly, ended up returning to the game. The union wanted to know how in the world he was cleared to return when everybody paying attention to what we saw said, this guy should not be back today. How did he get back into the game? So the union started that. And remember, the end result was this kind of weird, clunky, the NFL is sticking to its story. The union is sticking to its story. The end result is significant changes made to the game day concussion protocol, which kind of implies the NFLPA was right and the NFL was wrong. And that's what we're going to be working with here. And that's part of the problem. The league constantly circling the wagons here. I've said this time and again, and I mean no one any disrespect, but I think in any organization, when you have a very critical health and safety function like you now do in the NFL, and you have a very common and important to the organization PR function, when the same executive is in charge of both departments, you are asking for trouble. Yeah. Because there's always yes. going to be a very strong whiff of PR in everything that is health and safety. Not that that wouldn't be the case anyway. Right. But it's even more tied together. It's welded together when it's health and safety and PR because there's so much PR that's coming through the health and safety. So hopefully the union will push and push and push to find out why. This moment here did not raise a red flag. Player who has struck his head twice on the ground this year, resulting in we know one concussion. The other one, well, don't say it was a concussion. Say it was a back injury. Sure, Jan. I don't even know how he that's hits his head on the ground, and nobody activates any concern. Right? Nobody activates any concern when this guy hits his head on the ground, and and they're already doing it. Alan Sills earlier this week talking to the NFL Network, already saying, "Well, he has to strike his head and have some some injury behaviors that are detected thereafter. So you know, if he doesn't wobble at all, well, he did that back in September, and it wasn't enough. So I digress. I, I just I think that it's important that the NFLPA be very vigilant." and diligent and demanding to find out 
who was asleep at the switch from the moment his head hit the turf on Christmas Day until the moment Mike McDaniel was watching film the next day saying, something's not right here. What transpired from then to then, and why didn't somebody before McDaniel is the one who sees something's wrong sound the alarm internally that something's not right with the quarterback? It, it, somebody surely in the organization saw the video on social media. Yeah. Somebody surely saw that. I, I would think what so. What did they do? What did they know? When did they know it? And what did they do about it? I want the union to get to the bottom of all of that. Yeah, I, I hope they do. It, it's, um, it, it's one where, like, Mike, when you watch the coach's film and you watch it, you can see offensive linemen just before the play clicks off to go to the next play rush over to him in a wor- in a, a way where they're worried. Like, more than the normal of, like, hey, the guy got sacked and let me go pick him up, right? There's two or three guys that I think on the offensive line who kind of saw how his head hit the ground, and you kind of see them take off running over to him, and then it cuts off. And here, maybe we can see it from this. If you kind of look – Keep your eye on offensive linemen. See, there's one there that looks back, uh, but we're not going to see it from this clip. It's a little different than the coach's film. But but some of the guys up top on the screen there, they do run over to him almost instantly, as in like, hey, are you okay? Right? You're just going to have to take my word for, for it. Uh, 68 is the one guy that I, I know for sure that was involved in that. Um, so – you know, again, I think there's that, and then like McDaniel saw, and and Mike, I don't want to read into it, but even as I was watching on film, like, listen, he makes some good throws in the second half, but he does do some things and has like lack of reaction to his interceptions, where I was a little bit like, I, he doesn't usually act like that when he makes a mistake. He usually has a little bit of a you know personality after. He threw the interception to Raheem Mostert, the second interception up the seam where he's not even looking, and that's the one where you go, I I don't know what's wrong with him there. Like, why would he throw that? The guy's not looking. He's not expecting it. And it wasn't, you know, most times you see quarterbacks have a reaction of, ah, or do this, or ah, and like they they clap their hands together. He kind of just was like, oh, okay, and walked off the sideline. And he kind of did that for all three interceptions. I mean, this decision alone right here would make you wonder, wait, is he thinking clearly? There's five guys over there. I don't even know if the perfect throw. This one here is the one where you got to go, wait, what is going on? What is he thinking? What are they doing? And, you know, again, I, I don't want to read too, in, too into it. I'm not a doctor. But these are some basic plays as far as a quarterback's concerned. This read right here. It's one of the first plays I'm sure Mike McDaniel put in the offense. Not only is it, you know, a horrible decision, but the throw matches like a body that's not functioning on a top, you know, level there. So, I don't know. There's signs there, but I'm not a doctor, and I'm not trying to look too deep into it. But it did seem odd as you watched film in the second half. You mentioned Mostert. I saw this quote last night via Hal Habib yeah. the Palm Beach Post. Mostert was asked yesterday if he was shocked to hear that Tua had a concussion. Mostert said, I was shocked. I totally didn't realize Tua went through that. But it also kind of made sense towards the end of the game. Uh I was asking myself in the huddle, what are we doing? So um, and and I think part of this, and, and you made a comment earlier that is completely accurate. The NFL, even though it's been 13 years since it had its concussion epiphany forced upon it by Congress, how many specific examples have actually popped up right. that give right. anyone and everyone a chance to learn lessons? And I think one of the big takeaways from this, and this is why I want the NFLPA to get to the bottom of it. I don't want the NFLPA to result in you know this investigation to cause people to get fired or you know if you're accountable, you should be accountable. That's a different issue. But I just want, I want to know who knew what and when. So. Players are encouraged to say something. You know, if Raheem Mostert's in the huddle thinking, what's going on? What are we doing here? Go to the sideline and say something to somebody about it. If you're one of the offensive linemen that rushed over to Tua after he hit his head, go to the sideline and say something to someone. Do what Nelson Aguilar did. Nelson Aguilar was applauded for basically insisting that the game stop a few Monday nights ago, Cardinals, Patriots, when Devontae Parker was clearly, clearly impaired after hitting his head. Right. 
what Aguilar did should be standard practice. We need to get to the point where guys are willing to do that. And I understand that it, you have know, some guys, hey, I don't want you making a big deal. I don't want to be the one who's who's got to come out of the game. At a certain point, the culture needs to overcome that. And and this may maybe this is the tipping point for it. Maybe there's a way to push this in the direction yeah. where people who have that little flicker of something act on it. And instead of just kind of going about their business. Yeah. And, and not that yeah. I'm saying it's wrong to go about your business. We got to push back against decades of guys just going about their business. Right. That's my point. Yeah. No. I. I. I, agree. I mean. I think we're we're getting there. We are. And I think the players again. They they are more aware. It, it's hard. You know. In a game too. Sometimes. Hey. You, you, the guy's a little off. You're not sure. Wait. Did he? You know. Bang his shoulder. Maybe he's fighting through a little ankle issue. You know. It's also as we've discussed so many times. It's just a culture of like. Hey. Do your job. Worry what you, you got to do. You know. And you're not a doctor. Right. But. Uh, I, I do think we're, we're getting to a spot here where, you know, hopefully players are going to be more comfortable about being vocal with it. It is. It's still early, and it's still a game that's about machoism and all that, and we're kind of breaking through those barriers of, you know, that doesn't mean you're macho, that you are continue to play and you're seeing four guys and it's really just one guy. That, that doesn't mean you're tougher or anything. You know, you can still be really tough and macho, and we can be safe and smart and not ruin your life after football. And I think that's where we're headed. Uh, it's just not totally, you know, indoctrinated into the DNA of football players, the coaches, and, and really the league, as we're seeing quite yet. And that's really the challenge here, because we need to have sensitivity to the players' long-term health interests and short-term health interests. The player wants to play, and so much of this push is going against what the player wants yes. to do, right. and, and that may be where this ultimately is heading for Tua Tagovailoa. Before we further explore that issue, let's hear from Mike McDaniel yesterday talking about Tua's overall health and well-being in the aftermath of at least the second, if not the third, concussion he's had this year. In regards to Tua, it's a very... Um... I've been advised by um, medical professionals that uh, it's uh, critical that that uh, Tua worries only about um, the day that he's currently in and nothing else. Um, he he is in the building, um, but beyond that, um, it's uh, as medical professionals will will tell you um, any added. Uh, pressure, any added um, sort of uh, uh, anything beyond that day does not behoove um, the process at all. So I'll take that very serious and and um, worry about his um, health first and foremost and take the advice of uh, uh, the medical professionals. See, I struggle with this balance that teams are going to strike now. And again, we're very early in the NFL's experience with the issues arising from concussions and specifically from players who have maybe one or two too many. What do you do, especially when the player's attitude is, I want to get better and I want to play football. I want to keep going. I don't want to be the concussion guy. Yeah, I don't right. want to be the player who every time I have a head injury, here comes the Today Show and Good Morning America and CBS This Morning, and they're talking about it. And, you know, Kenny Pickett's had a couple of concussions. And nobody's talking about him. Everybody's talking about Tua and his concussions. It's yep. kind of just happened that way. And, Chris, beyond the basic health of the player, the patient, that's one thing the NFLPA wants folks to do, and I think we should – it's a medical issue, and Tua is a patient. The football mechanism, I think, is going to begin to distance itself from Tua. And I, I don't even like talking about this, but we have to if we're going to be real with the audience. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, if it was Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, we'll, we'll deal with all these issues that come up whenever they happen to have a concussion because when they're healthy, they are the best in the game. Tua isn't good enough to overcome having a concussion once a month. Tua isn't good enough as a player. And, and he's good, 
but he's not superstar level where you're going to put up with the constant when's the next concussion, what happens after the concussion, while we got all this scrutiny now, and it's all they're talking about on cable news, and we got to worry about parents not letting their kids to play football. And this bothers me, but I think it's part of the reality that we have to keep our eye on, that the Dolphins may decide, and, and, and it will, what will bug me is they'll, they'll wrap themselves in all these righteous phrases. We're doing what's in the best interest of Tua. No, you're doing what's in the best interest of you. But regardless, you know, we, we can't in good conscience allow him to continue to play quarterback for this team. And then all the other NFL teams are going to shun him the way Colin Kaepernick got shunned. Very different reasons. Yeah. But still, at the core, right. I think the people that have their fingers on the buttons for the NFL, and we know there's a small handful of people who truly have their fingers on the buttons, I don't think they want this every few months another to a concussion thing. And, and I'm concerned that he's ultimately not going to be able to make the decision for himself as to whether he keeps playing football. I think somebody else is going to make it for him, whether it's doctors don't clear him or the football NFL mechanism says we just we can't have yeah, this. We can't right. have, you know, look, look, we've been talking about it for a half hour. It's an important health issue for NFL players. It is a compelling football issue for the Dolphins. There's a lot of layers and levels to it. I would assume that the people at 345 Park Avenue and that small handful of owners who truly run the show would rather we not be talking about this on a Thursday morning as Week 17 is set to begin. Yeah, I, 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 I think everything you said is fair there. I mean, there's, there's no question. I mean, when, when you, know, you break it down, I think it's, it's fair to think about you know, the optics of the situation, the player, everything there, and, and go, yeah, is the NFL going to – one, it, it, it's a serious issue. It's a serious issue. Yes, it's the number one topic, you know, going around the league right now. The Dol- and it's the Dolphins who are a, a team that's a, a, a blast to watch and they're fun. And then we've talked about, you know, the following Tua has. And a lot of that is a young crowd. You know, a lot of it is 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 year old kids. I can't, you, you listen, when I tell, when I made Tua whatever, ranked him number 20, blah, 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 quarterback in my ranking, rankings last year, man, all I heard about it was from my, my daughter's friends and my son's friends. Tua, how could you put Tua that low, Mr. Sims? You're crazy. Tua is better than that. You know, so, yeah, this is a, a lightning rod of a guy who's got a huge following. And as we've talked about, has a little bit of that, you know, Steph Curry, he's, you know, a good-looking, nice guy, and he really is nice, and I think kids gravitate towards him. So it's a slippery slope here. It is. And I think to your point, and this is what I kind of said yesterday, Mike, you're right. I think that's where we're getting close to that I get scared for him if he wants to continue to play. You know, the concussions, the neck injuries, those two things are what they, they put you in the black book in the NFL to go, eh, don't sign that guy. Even though nobody's said he can't play anymore, we're not going to mess with him because it could be a PR nightmare. It could cost us money and all these other issues. And then on top of that, the NFL and the PR that they'll have to deal with. And, yes, the look of it and all the other things you talked about, kids concerned about, parents con- concerned about their kids and their health, that all comes to play with the, this conversation. And that was something that had subsided dramatically in recent years. This Tua thing has brought it back. It's reactivated. And again, when I when I finish this show and I watch Morning Joe, when they spend 15 minutes talking about this, that that's telling you it's a big issue. Yeah. And right. the NFL would rather these topics not make it to non-sports shows. And they would rather the sports shows be talking about Football, 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 not these other issues. Okay, so let's talk about the football side of the game coming up on Sunday between the Dolphins and the Patriots. Teddy Bridgewater will start. Here's Mike McDaniel talking about the fact that Teddy will be back under center for the Miami Dolphins. I met with Teddy yesterday. I was, um, you know, exchanging ideas and, and talking through some stuff all the way till like 10.15 last night. Um, there was his bedtime. Um, and so... Um, moving forward today and, you know, the whole team's approach is uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the starter. Who the hell goes to bed at 10-15? That's what I want to know. 10-15? <laughs> I mean, 
Eastern time? Are you kidding me? 10.15 Pacific is more like it for me, but uh, maybe that's why Teddy Bridgewater is a highly functioning athlete and, and I'm not. Now, Chris, we, we know that the Dolphins couldn't win a game when Tua wasn't playing. Do you have faith in Teddy with the season basically on the line now for the Dolphins in the final two weeks? I, I do have faith in Teddy. I mean, we know he's, he's experienced. He's one of the better backups in football. Now, it's never easy to be thrown in this situation where it's like, I mean, you haven't played football really, and, and you know, his chance to play, he got hurt, so he didn't really get to you know, work out any of the kinks in his game when he did get to take over for Tua. But, I mean, if you got one guy with experience and you feel comfortable in the situation, Teddy's certainly one of the guys that's at the top of the list. Now, we saw what he did against the Bengals. I mean, they moved the ball a little bit against the Bengals. He made some big throws down the field. So the, the offense can still be explosive and scary. I don't know if the RPO game and all that's going to be as good. That's where Tua really is. He's got a gift there for how quick he can get out of his hands. And, of course, he's got great experience doing that, you know, even back into college where it's still probably a new thing to Teddy Bridgewater to a degree. He probably dabbled in it, but hasn't made it a mainstay of his, you know, repertoire like, like a uh, Tua has. But this is still a dangerous football team with a ton of weapons, a guy that's played quarterback, and they're playing a team in New England that we know is good but not great. And they got an offense up in New England that ain't that special to where you can go, wait, I don't need to make a ton of plays here. If I'm just smart, get the ball here, get the ball there, our defense should be able to hang in there with Mac Jones and company and give them issues. Uh, I think they'll be just fine this week, and then we'll see about week 18. Repertoire. Repertoire. With a little flair at the end. You like that? Or accidental like... scholar to intentional scholar. <laughs> Very well done. Thank you. Very well done. Thank you. <laughs> somebody, got a, somebody got a word of the day calendar for Christmas, I think. <laughs> no, Maybe not me. Not me. Nobody be. in my family is even um, smart enough to get a word <laughs> of the day calendar for me, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the Dolphins are clinging to the last spot. You know, one of the realities – just because you add extra games doesn't mean that you push the excitement deeper into the season. You know, teams are going to lock up their spots. And there's really only two spots up for grabs in the AFC. The AFC South Championship, which is going to happen next weekend, quite possibly the last game of the year on NBC, because it's it's likely going to be win or go home for the Jaguars and the Titans. But you look at the Dolphins there at number seven. They have very, very little wiggle room. you got a cluster of seven and eight teams nipping at your heels one false move and you are out so this becomes critical for teddy bridgewater and this is the opportunity look i i, I still feel bad for him with that crazy knee injury from right. late august of 2016 that derailed what could have been a breakout year for the vikings who knows how he would have been and what he would have become if he didn't go through that knee injury but here's a here's a golden opportunity Remember, remember when they signed him and he did that kind of passive-aggressive, the doors open for yeah, me to right. win the job, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, here's your, here's your chance. Right. Here's your, you, you wanted to have a chance to play. Here's your chance to play with the season on the line and the postseason in front of you if you can just hold on, if you can win this game, if you can hold on, beat the Jets week 18, win the next two games, and you're going to be in. Yes, it's 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 you know unfortunate what happened early in his career, but man, he's got a chance to, yeah, be the quarterback of a team that that can make noise. You know, even though they've lost four games, as we've discussed, you kind of go through it. Okay, the Forty Nine er game, they weren't outclassed. They weren't, and as we broke down in that game, if Tua was on in that game, you know, that was really one of his most inaccurate games as a quarterback this year. They could have won that game. Nonetheless, they could have put up like 500 yards of off, uh, de uh, yeah, offense on, on the best defense in football. Okay, week, the next week they lose to the Chargers. Tough battle. They had a good game plan. They posed some issues. Man, did we both felt good after their loss in Buffalo. You went, man, they kind of outplayed Buffalo. It's just Josh Allen made some crazy plays to win the game for them. But the team, the better team on the field looked like the Dolphins that night. And then last weekend, I mean, come on. You know, that, that's the, I, they play they play the Packers twenty times. They beat them nineteen times. I mean, that was a miracle. The Packers won. They had, it wasn't just two horseshoes. It was three horseshoes and a shamrock up their ass to win that one. That really was. So uh, this is where I go, man. Teddy, yeah, they win this one this week. They got what the Jets in week eighteen. The Dolphins would be like at the top of the list of teams I wouldn't want to see coming into town wild card weekend if I'm one of the teams that's hosting a game. Damn, 
Xavier Howard, crazy defense, puts pressure on you. Those guys on offense. So we'll see if Tua, I mean, uh, Teddy can, can capitalize. Yeah, and that's something that between the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals, one of those teams is going to be the two seed if the Dolphins end up being the seventh seed, and we'll have to host the Miami Dolphins to commence the wild card round. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Mike McDaniel has one set of quarterback issues. Josh McDaniels, the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, has a very different quarterback issue. This has nothing to do with health. This has everything to do with preserving health of the quarterback so that the team will have maximum options at its disposal in the offseason when it comes to what to do with the quarterback. Derek Carr benched for the last two games of the season. Here's Josh McDaniels talking to reporters about that development yesterday. Had a uh, good conversation with the quarterbacks this morning. And uh, so we're, we're going to go ahead and, and start Jarrett uh, the last couple games of the season here. Um, you know, we're, none of us is happy with where we're at, um, but we think it's a, an opportunity to, um, you know, evaluate a younger player who hasn't had much time to play, um, you know, uh, talking to Derek, uh, who was great, um, you know, he understands, uh, the scenario that we're in and the situation and, um, very supportive of the two young guys, uh, that those three guys obviously have worked together hand in hand all year and. Um, you know, he'll do anything he can to help them. So, um, you know, that's what we're going to do. You know, Derek's played a lot of football. There's a lot of evaluating that's going to take place here uh, once the season's over uh, in terms of how we make the most progress, what makes the most sense for everybody, um, and how we move forward. And we knew that was going to be the case. Uh, obviously, we were hoping to be in a different scenario than we are currently. Um, but there's no – this isn't a – uh, this isn't a, uh, there's no finality to today. This is just a, you know, a decision we thought after talking about it and contemplating it that we thought, you know, would be, um, an opportunity for us, uh, to see, you know, what we have in him and, um, and how we, how we do going forward. We'll see. You know, the first part of that clip, and maybe you need to see it to fully appreciate it, he was so physically uncomfortable. He was nervous, it right? It made me physically uncomfortable. Big breath. I could feel it in right. my stomach as yeah. I was watching him and, and the eyes darting around and the head moving. Look, here's what's going on here. Now, in any other set of circumstances, I say, oh, the Raiders are tanking. They're trying to improve their draft position because that's what I say teams will do they don't say we're trying to lose we just want to evaluate the lesser players on the depth chart right. we want to see what they can do which we know what they can do or can't do because that's why they're back up <laughs> exactly. this is about 40.4 million dollars that's what this is about the way remember when Derek Carr did his contract we talked about this earlier in the week and I said the moment they bench Derek Carr is the moment that they are activating this strategy Big contract, $40 million a year quarterback. All the information robots out there praising Derek Carr for this great deal and his agent, of course, because that's how they get their information. The truth was he got $27 million for this year with no guarantees beyond this year. Injury guarantees, not full guarantees. $40.4 million 
injury guarantee that becomes a full guarantee just days after the Super Bowl. They've got a limited window to cut him before that $40.4 million becomes fully guaranteed. So now, Chris, here's the problem that the Raiders have. Yeah. And this one is fascinating to me. Yes, it is. Because everybody's now saying they're going to trade him, they're going to trade him, they're going to trade him. Well, good luck trading him when you have to hold him beyond the point at which the guarantees vest. Because if they do an Alex Smith deal where unofficially they have a trade in place to move Derek Carr when? First day of the league year in March. Until then, completely unenforceable. Either team can walk away with no consequence whatsoever, just like Josh McDaniels did to the Colts. That's what makes it even more fascinating. They strike a deal with a team, maybe the Colts, to trade Derek Carr. That's how crazy this is. (laughs) And they take the leap of faith that the Colts are going to go through with it. And if they don't, they are F dash dash K E D. They're stuck with Derek Carr and his forty point four million. So I, I tell you what, if I'm Mark Davis, I don't want to spend six weeks of my life worrying that someone is going to pull a Josh McDaniels on Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I'm just cutting the guy. Yeah, forget about it. Right. I don't care what I could get for him. I'm done. I don't have the $40.4 million to put at risk with a guy that I am done with. I think they're going to cut him. I don't know how they could otherwise pull it off so Mark Davis's hair doesn't fall out of his head between the day that money vests and the day the deal for the trade is officially done. I wouldn't do it if I were him, and I can't imagine he's going to do it either. I, I would agree, Mike. And, and I would think with them making this move that they're willing to do that when if they got to. I, I would think. That, you know, this, is a, this is not a, a dumb group out there. You know? Again, I know we're still evaluating Josh McDaniels, the head coach, and all of that. He hasn't necessarily passed with flying colors. But, I mean, he has been in the best organization in football over the last 20 years. They're, they're smart. They're tactical. I would think this has been thought out and discussions with Mark Davis and you know Dave Ziegler, the GM, and everybody to where they've just, you know worked out the different scenarios. I think by making this move, Mike, I think you're exactly right. I think they're telling us they're willing to cut him. It's over. It's over. It's he's no he will not be the Raiders' quarterback. There's no way, and they're not going to eat the forty million. So that that's like, and and, and you know quite honestly. I don't know if anybody's going to trade for Derek Carr and, and just, you know, want to give him $40 million anyways. You know, so there, there's a few things there that, you know, are, we, can, we, we can unpack at a, a different time. But still, the move itself is still shocking. It is. I, you know, a, again, I, I think it says a lot. Uh, this, this group up there, as far as, you know, I, I played for Josh McDaniels. I worked in New England for a little bit. You know, of course, my dad is from the Parcells Belichick school of coaching and all of that. So I do understand their thought process a little bit and how they go about their business. They're demanding of the quarterback. They expect a lot from the quarterback. And at the same time, they don't make moves like they made yesterday unless they are really unhappy, right? That, that, that's, that's, to me, the biggest thing. We've talked about it so much, how New England's always avoided quarterback controversy and those things. Because, hey, I, I saw it. They brought me up there the year Brady got hurt. They, didn't, they told me to go home because they were like, this is going to start a schism in the media. Well, when is Sims going to play? Matt Castle's never played. This is a Sim, blah, blah, blah. I respected that. They've always done a great job of trying to avoid that type of thing. So this tells you that they have seen enough from Derek Carr. And I understand that. I don't know if I thought they were going to pull the trigger quite like this, like this abruptly. And I guess, you know, me as an ex-quarterback, oh, hey, it's a new system, and maybe they're just going to deal with, you know, some of the bumps and bruises along the way. But I think if we talk about this more, there's more to unpack here with Derek Carr and his play. And, And with this group, I can see them being very disappointed with his play and what he's done this year, especially when he's making close to $30 million and, uh, they lost a lot of games in the last few minutes, and he didn't make plays to help them win the games, let alone last weekend where he was really bad towards the end of the game. I mean, this is wide open. Uh, it's the most wide open throw of the weekend. You don't, you can't miss that. And, you know, there's just too much of that this year, I think, that probably ultimately led him to being in the, the bad favor of, of McDaniels and the rest of the coaching staff. 
when you have brought in a new coaching staff that through one year has come to the conclusion that this guy should not be our starting quarterback, how do you convince someone else who hasn't had the opportunity to spend a full year with him to say, bring him on? Yeah, we'll, we'll take him. Right. We're, we're now now may, maybe 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 the Commanders because who was the coach of the Raiders before John Gruden? Dust up Del Rio. Yeah. He's the defensive coordinator of the commanders. Right. So he's in a position where he could work on Ron Rivera to try to convince him that Derek Carr is a guy, or at least Ron Rivera has somebody who can go to and get reliable information about Derek Carr. But even then, here's the reality. To trade Derek Carr, you do need a certain element of cooperation from him. I mean, ideally what you would do is say, hey, Derek, can you just delay your 40.4 million guarantee vesting date until the fifth day of the league year, not the third day after the waiver period starts. But why would he agree? Why would he say yes to anything at this point? He's going to be pissed. He's feeling like he was rejected. Remember how many times he said he's going to be the quarterback of the Raiders for all of his career. And, sure. and, and I made the observation that he has no clue of how football really works, that it's not up to the player. It's up to the team. And then he blocked me on Twitter. I mean, he, he's a sensitive guy. And he's going to be pissed at the Raiders. And I would, if I were him, if I were advising him or if I were making the decision, my position would be I got a contract that pays me $40.4 million, fully guaranteed as of the third day after the Super Bowl. You either cut me or pay me. It's your decision. I have my rights, and I'm not surrendering any of them. And he also has a no-trade clause. Yeah. Every, every franchise quarterback or would-be franchise quarterback has a no-trade clause because all he has to say is, I don't want to play for your team, and no one's going to trade for him. That team's not going to trade for him if he doesn't want to be there. But they're going to need cooperation from him to thread this needle. They need him to say, yeah, I'll take a trade here. I'll take a trade there. If he just decides he's done, it's over, and he's, he's left the team. Now, the reports were yesterday he did so with the team's permission because he doesn't want to be a distraction. I don't know how much of a distraction he would be. How much of a distraction is Matt Ryan? They're doing the same thing to him. They're putting him in bubble wrap again to avoid injury guarantees becoming full guarantees because he can't pass a physical if he can't pass a physical by the time those guarantees flip. Why, Why are you leaving? I think he's pissed off. I think he grabbed his ball and he went home. And that's fine. That's fine. But good luck getting him to cooperate with you. If you're going to try to trade him, I'm telling you, Chris, you know, and it's funny to see the people in the media who are always trying to play the quid pro quo game with their sources and they're trying to boost different things and push different agendas. It's bullshit. They're not going to be able to pull off this trade. No. They're not going to be able to do it. And if I'm Mark Davis, I am cutting the guy as soon as the waiver period opens and I'm not taking any chances of owing him $40.4 million because I've decided I'm done with him. Yeah, I, I, I think that if it comes to that, they will. Now, listen, the only thing I'll say is maybe Derek Carr, his agent, they start to gauge the temperature out there and they realize, wait, you know, nobody's going to give us $40 million on the open market, so maybe we will extend that period of when it's due. So we can get that check, and then we'll figure out maybe to add another year on the contract with the new team to lessen the blow or whatever there. I could see maybe that happening. You know, once they gauge like, oh, wait, you know, our options are limited, and okay, nobody's going to give us $40 million a year on the free market right now. Maybe, right? But, but I think you're explaining a lot of things here. And, Mike, you, you know, you said some you're other – You're still better off being cut. I, I you're probably, still better off – you're still better off being cut because you're going to a team that didn't have to give Mark Davis anything to get your contract. That's and right. I think that's going to be a factor for Derek Carr. I too. hear you there, too. I don't that's... want them to get anything from me. Right. Right. I, I hear you there. It's, it's gotten personal, and I, I understand that. He's gone through a lot with this Raiders organization. Unfortunately, he's with a coach and a staff that's been with the ultimate mofo general captain they know what they want their quarterback to look like to take them to a Super Bowl and Tom Brady, and I think they've made the assessment that this guy ain't Tom Brady and he's not our you know, cut of cloth here. This is not what we like at quarterback. I mean, that's, that's, what they're, that's what they're telling well, you. If only Tom Brady were available next year, well, they I mean, could have Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, if again, only he were a free agent after this season. Th- this, is a, this, is a, this is a coach where I was on a team in Denver and – and I think he was in the process of evaluating Jay Cutler, who had a ton of talent, and was like, whoa, I don't like some of this. I'm going to get him out of here. It's not for me. I mean, he's, he's not afraid to make these type of bold moves to frame his offense and the team he, the way he wants. And then I think when you add on you know, mistakes, not being clutch in the end of the game. So should he go gate Brady? I mean, look, hey, it's either Brady or Tim Tebow. 
at this point. <laughs> Two of Josh McDaniel's favorites. Well, listen, so which one's it going to be? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Which I mean, one don't you want? Brady. Brady. You know, it's certainly worth thinking about. I mean, it's certainly. I, I can't imagine McDaniel wanting to McDaniel wanting to go there just because at some point he's going to want. Wait, like Brady might retire after next year, and now I'm in the same boat. That would be the only thing I would say there. And I don't know if the team is good enough to where Brady would want to go there yet. But I think, hey, listen, even to that point there, Mike, you know, the play with Derek Carr, you know, what we saw at the end of the game last week or the interceptions, they were all bad. They, none of them should have happened. There was open receivers, you know, a little bit trigger shy at some times. And like, hey, throw the ball, like pull the trigger here. He's open. Throw a rifle. Don't try to, you know, just drop it in there perfectly. That's not what Tom Brady did. So they don't like that. You know, then they're paying them a lot of money. They expect you to make big plays. You know, I think when you when you add in all of that, you look at the the Rams game. You know, people were open in the second half. He should have put the game away and threw an interception in the end zone. Devontae Adams was wide open for a touchdown. You know, you add that to last week, the Jacksonville game that was underwhelming. So I think there's just too many things there that they finally came to a head where they were just like, he he's not our type of guy. And okay. and uh, I think that ultimately. Led so to who decision. is? I don't know. I, you know, that's uh, we're gonna have to Reme- see. Uh, remember, out. remember. Let me let me l- yeah. let me let me let me let me throw this out there. It wasn't all that long ago that UFC President Dana White told the story during the Gronk cast for one of the UFC fight nights that Dana White had brokered a deal for Tom Brady to go to the Raiders, and yeah. Mark Davis was into it. And everybody was on board with it until John Gruden put the kibosh on it. That would have been 2020. And and remember the whole who's the mf'er that Tom Brady was talking about on LeBron James show the shop. Right. I mean, it all it all fits together, especially now that Josh McDaniels is there. I, he's not doing this if they don't have an idea who their quarterback is going to be next year. Tom Brady is one. Jimmy Garoppolo is another. Sure. Right. Right. How can we overlook the possibility of Jimmy Garoppolo Definitely. going to the Raiders? Baker Mayfield. Definitely. Baker Mayfield. Definitely. Baker, look. Josh McDaniels had a secret workout with Baker Mayfield before the 2018 draft, and he had the best seat in the house to see what Mayfield did to the Raiders on that epic Thursday night from a few weeks ago. I put Baker Mayfield in that mix, too. So there's three possibilities right there. I'm with you, Mike. I agree. Let alone the draft, you know, could have some options there, too. But I, I think those are very, very real possibilities. And, hey, if I'm a, one of those guys, it's not a bad spot. You know, I think this is also plays into the Derek Carr thing. You know, as I, we're getting ready for the show last night, and I'm looking through things. It's just like, you know, I could picture the the Raiders too going. Wait, I mean, you're not playing good. You haven't been clutch. We're paying you thirty million a year, and we protect really well. You haven't been sacked many times, and we have the number one running back in football. We got a good rushing attack. Like, there's no excuses for the offense not to be better. And I think that's where the frustrations came to a head. And the names you threw out there, I think, are very, very real candidates to be a a part of the Raiders conversation. One more name to keep in mind. Yeah. Devontae Adams. Yeah. Who specifically wanted to be traded to the Raiders so he could play with Derek Carr, who was a teammate of Adams at Fresno State. After eight years with the Packers, Adams wanted to reunite with Derek Carr. This man gave everything he had. The reason I'm a Raider, one of the most disciplined and loving people I know, got my brothers back through whatever, and if you can't respect it, excuse my language, bleep you. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Bleep you. Uh, so they got a problem now with Devontae Adams, and surely they knew that when they activated this anti-Derek Carr plan, and they're yeah. going to have to try to smooth things over right. with Devontae Adams. They right. may have to trade him. Maybe, maybe the only way to trade Derek Carr is to work out a package deal where it's Devontae Adams and Derek Carr together. Maybe that's the only way to get Derek Carr to cooperate with this move is to trade Carr. I'm not I'm not Yeah. I'm not joking around. That may be the only way to pull it off is to take Carr and Adams and drop them onto another team together. Hey, Adams wanted to be there because of Carr. We know that, but that wasn't the only reason. He spoke a lot about his grandmother had never seen a game in person. He's a West Coast guy. He wants to be there. You know, they paid him a lot of money. He's with a coach that is going to know how to get him the ball. Grandma, grandma may not be too happy with what she's seen well, this year. Well, you know, also <laughs> grandma may, may grandma, want to go back to not seeing the games. Grandma might have heard, you know, grandson come in the house a few times and go, damn, I was open a lot today and I don't know, but number four didn't throw me the ball. So <laughs> she could have heard that too and understand it. You know, so that, that's the other aspect we, we got to take into account here.
You know, I think that's that's you know, so we'll see where this goes. But you know, again, I think you're right. I think ultimately it's going to end up being cut. I think Devontae Adams will be there. And I think, you know, the, one of those names you brought up right there, I think are definitely going to be in contention to be the quarterback of, of that football team. There was a fourth one I was thinking about, too, and I'm going to have to go back and, and somebody with a connection to McDaniels beyond Brady, Garoppolo, and Mayfield. I had four in mind. It'll come to me at some point, hopefully, maybe not. Who knows? We have essentially burned off half of the show, and we have yet to talk about the fact that the final Thursday night game of the year happens tonight. One of the reasons we haven't talked about it is the Titans have basically pulled all their starters out of the game, making it a preseason game for them, a critical game for the Cowboys. We'll get you ready for Cowboys at Titans when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 